In the previous episode of the Zista podcast, we understood more about telecom services firms. And in today's episode, we're going to be taking that conversation forward with Pratik Parshine. He's going to be covering with us what's it like to be a telecom business head. Welcome to the Zista podcast where we invite industry leaders and academicians to answer questions that students have within a specific subject area. Joining us today is Pratik Pashine. He is the head for the enterprise business and geo, India's largest telecom firm. And he's going to be talking about a day in the life of a telecom business head. Thank you for joining us once again on the podcast, Pratik. We're delighted to have you back. Thank you, Amit. So uh, in today's show, we want to kind of understand something in a little bit more detail, which is uh, what's the, what does a telecom president do? You know, what's a day in your life like? So before we, we, we get to that, I'd like to ask you a little bit about your journey, you know, your personal journey. Could you walk us through, you know, how your career progressed and, you know, coming to the point that you are at right now? Sure. So engineering degree from RDC Nagpur, it's called VNIT now. Uh, right. Uh, immediately joining IM Bangalore and uh, from IM B joining Tata Administrative Service. Uh, so that was 95. And then the the TAs go through one year of induction, multiple companies. So did something in auto components, something in telecom services, um, and something in uh, computing. Uh, with Tata LXE. So did um, multiple projects and then joined Tata Industries, which is one of the two holding companies of the group, which looks at new businesses. Uh, looked at various projects, uh, the then airport project, the then airline, uh, the first GV of Tata Singapore, which didn't happen at that time, late ni- mid-90s. Okay. Uh, and also telecom equipment. Uh, Tata's had many telecom equipment business. It was the largest PBX company in the country Tata Telecom um, and they had joint venture with AT&T, multiple joint ventures. So it was decided to bring together all those companies under one fold uh, and AT&T, uh, AT&T's equipment business came to Lucent Technologies. Right. So I worked with them for uh, for about three and a half years, Tata Lucent Technologies and did all odd jobs from getting uh, foreign investment promotion board approval to do technology transfer of Lucent uh, Technology to India for a perpetual period to uh, doing supplier agreements, to doing project financing. So uh, was associated in the MD's office and any anything that was out of ordinary and did not fall into any specific department was handled by me. Uh, okay. From then on, um, uh, I moved to the hotel industry and sold uh, uh, hotel rooms. Uh, actually launched the country's first e-commerce, in- e-commerce enabled uh, hotel website. Very right. So um, early 2000, uh, you could actually book a Taj uh, hotel room. So we were the first hotel room in the hotel in the country where you could online book a uh, package or a, a room. So did various digital initiatives for the Taj. Um, also worked with a small startup in speech recognition technology. Okay. Uh, in a, and then uh, moved to the telecom services side of the business uh, uh, when Tata decided that they were they wanted to become a national player and not district 
then sells to Andhra Pradesh. That time I did procurement. Okay. So I had sold hotels. I had sold real estate before. I uh, I was doing some project financing and odd jobs in uh, Lucent. Now here I started doing procurement of telecom infrastructure. I had barely done about eight nine months in Tata Tele Tele Services that Tata has acquired VSNL with their Sanchar Nigam, uh, a government monopoly, uh, which had just lost lost its monopoly. And I moved uh, with one blind brief, uh, and I will talk about it. Uh, I was told lots of files to fight. Aja fizikne. So that was my job description. Uh, so, and the reason I'm saying this is today I often interact with young kids um, or professionals who are do not want to look at a job unless it's, it's, they've got a two-page job description. Uh, right. And that's why I'm making that point. Uh, uh, that Aja lots of fires to fight uh, uh, so that's how I moved from Tata Tele Services to ESNL and again did all the odd jobs evaluating whether we should go to Kyrgyzstan uh, for uh, launching telecom services uh, to Bangladesh to various uh, uh, Nepal and then eventually uh, did few things established VSNL's uh, presence in uh, US in Sri Lanka and then um, I started handling one of the business units, uh, uh, the retail business unit. Uh, then handled product marketing uh, for that unit. And then on move from retail side of the business, B2C side of the business to B2SMB side of the business. Um, from then on, uh, moved to Tata Tele Services and uh, ended handling the entire enterprise business. And from then on, moved to Relangio to handle uh, set up actually the enterprise business for Lanzio. Uh, so that's been the journey. Uh, uh, done various jobs, procurement, project financing, uh, selling real estate, selling hotel rooms, uh, selling technology, and then uh, buying technology, and uh, now selling services and to both B2C and B2B customers. So hearing you talk about this, you know, it's really uh, seems that you've been climbing a very steady ladder and it's amazing to hear that. But what also comes to mind is that there were some lot of lateral shifts. So, uh, you know, where uh, you were doing com something which is totally different. You know, many times when I interact with uh, young uh, people who are joining our organization or I've seen even in other organizations, they have a feeling that, I was hired to do this. So why are you asking me to do X, Y, Z? It's not really part of my job description. And if I were to kind of <laughs> look at what you've done, you've actually been totally open-minded to constantly try different things, to really learn different uh, skill sets and done it well. Because you've done it well, you've managed to move up and today you are holding such a responsible post and managing such a large enterprise. So that's amazing to hear. Oh, thanks, Amit. And that's uh, something uh, I often tell uh, young colleagues. Uh, one day in 2004, 2003, my boss called up and said, listen, uh, uh, Mr. Tata has just met the Sri Lankan Prime Minister. And he has assured him that we will, Tata's will look at doing telecom in um, uh, Sri Lanka. Yeah. So go figure out. So that was the one line brief. From then on, figuring out what licenses exist, 
where uh, Indian company can participate in applying for the license, incorporating a company, shipping, importing equipment, setting up shop, getting all the licenses, running the operation and actually making it profitable in the first year of operations. Uh, so, uh, so what I'm saying is, uh, I think because over time, my bosses also became comfortable with the fact that he can do it. So, right. I then a mindset of saying, it may not be fully fleshed out brief, but uh, uh, you figure it out. You'll figure it out. And I think that's the uh, charting the uh, terrain of unknown uh, place. Uh, that's what actually is very exciting for me. Uh, uh, doing something completely abinitio new. Uh, yes. Dealing with uncertainty, managing uncertainty is uh, such an important skill set. And very often when faced with uncertainty, a lot of people get feelings of anxiety and fear. But when I'm hearing you, uh, you know, talking about these experiences in your life, it's almost like you're saying, let's take fear and anxiety, throw it out of the window and jump straight right in. Correct? No, absolutely. And uh, I think, yes, there's naturally all the questions that you have, right? What will happen if I don't do well? What will happen? I think uh, much early in my career, I figured out that if I lose a job, mm -hmm. I have enough capability to take care of me and my wife and my son. I'll figure something out. I may not right. have the lavish lifestyle that currently I have today or then I had, but I'll figure it out. I don't think that will be an uh, uh, issue. So, uh, so doing something new, trying to uh, get out of comfort zone um, and learn. Uh, so that's something that's always excited me. Uh, okay. And, uh, as I said, one line briefs which are very uh, vague or okay. I mean, they're not vague, but they're saying, okay, go figure out what we can do in Sri Lanka. I mean, uh, it doesn't get more uh, uh, simple than uh, this. So I think that uh, it's an attitude uh, that one cultivates uh, right. and those opportunities also come to those who cultivate this and who demonstrate that uh, uh, right. you, can be, uh, you can be somebody and I'm not taking away anything from those as saying simple you tell me I'm in marketing I'm going to do marketing they also grow uh, uh, over time if they demonstrate that boss I want very crisp clear uh, well documented brief then those opportunities will go in a particular way but when somebody is seen saying that, oh, yeah, he's the handled on odd jobs, you can give him a toss up odd job and we figure it out. Then some crazy opportunities also come on your way uh, uh, because there you can completely change the trajectory of your career, of your own learning. If you do well in one of those uh, uh, completely tangential uh, projects that you get. Yeah. Two things came to my mind. One is that, you know, what you were really demonstrating is a risk-reward trade-off. So when you're working with something which is really ambiguous, it's high risk, but it could also be high reward. The second thing that came to my mind is that when you get that one-line brief, there may be a lot of uncertainty, but there's also, with that, a high level of flexibility. So while no one has told you what to do, no one has told you what not to do. <laughs> so you had to figure out both sides of the coin, right? So that's after. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a typical day in your life, you know, uh, 
what 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 do you work on you know on a typical day what are some of the things that uh, you face what do you do uh, we'd love to hear about that so there is no typical day for a business head mm. uh every day is different because uh, uh and that is a great part of uh, running a business right yeah. there is no um monday to friday same thing uh, or no two weeks are same so uh, i forget about two days so i think what all does it contain it contains unfortunately customer escalation sometimes uh, which can uh, boomerang into something uh, huge and not always but every now and then you see a customer escalation so that's uh, somebody is reached out to you that means he, he or she is in real pain uh, so getting that sorted uh, uh to reviewing approaches um customer experience approach sales approach delivery um reviewing performance mm. see one of the things that i often uh, stress on i actually uh I, my calendar is color coded okay so my calendar has appointments which have some seven eight colors okay and just looking at the calendar and the colors of the meetings tells me where am i focusing more on and less on interesting so uh, i have color coding for employee connect so if there's a meeting is about employees and about uh, employee related activities color coded one way if it is external customer meetings it's an uh, uh color coded another if it is ops it is color coded uh, third way if it is in leadership meetings with my bosses it's color so it also tells you and uh, why am i saying this because uh often uh i i consider each one of us are doing two roles okay uh, especially uh, in the headquarter you're doing a adder role and you're doing a multiplier role okay where one action of yours or one decision of yours or one policy of yours has a huge impact and it changes the way customer experiences your service to the way it simplifies life for the sales guys that's what i called as doing multiplier jobs perfect um adder jobs of this customer wants this particular clause in the contract uh are we okay with it that's a adder job because it's one transaction it is solving that issue with only that one customer solving this issue with that one customer is not solving anything else so i often reflect back can uh, and i keep telling people are you doing adder job or are you doing multiplication job because in hq our job is to do multiply because your regional offices are looking for directions processes uh propositions products uh then they can go and sell then then they can uh, use so uh, that is something that i uh, measure myself and uh, uh, keep uh, encouraging the team to look at saying so how much time did you spend this week on doing an adder job versus you doing a multiplier job for example if you simplify the process of customer onboarding that's a multiplier job because i'm still me so that's i think uh, uh one thing that i'm very very uh particular about every town hall that i do i keep reiterating to my hq resort uh, team members about multiplier doing the multiplier job so that's that's i think uh, one key aspect of my uh day schedule or a week schedule okay okay i i think i uh, picked up some tips you know and i'm going to go back and look at my schedule uh, of course i'm not running the state of enterprise or uh, that you are uh, with all humility 
but I would definitely bring this mindset of, am I doing an adult job or am I doing a multiplier job? And I think it's a really uh, good piece of uh, advice that you've shared. I wanted to ask you, when you're running a large uh, B2B enterprise, uh, how do you manage or how do you balance the, the trade-offs and the risks that you may be facing, you know? Uh, so, mm, see, risks are inherent to any business, right? Right. Yeah. Deposit uh, money in the government bond and that's a risk return. Uh, anything that you don't do, there's obviously, the risk is implicit. Uh, but I think... Uh, we are in an enterprise because we are saying that we can, we're taking a risk. Somebody takes market risk. Somebody takes credit risk. Mm -hmm. uh, some businesses take, for example, if you are in a power generation business, right? You typically take only credit risk, whether the electricity boards will pay after consuming electricity, but you don't take a market risk because Power purchase agreements for 10 years and 15 years have already signed even before you put up Absolutely. Absolutely. Including the price, you know. Exactly. If you're going to save the power. So market risk is not there, but credit risk is there. Right. In telecom business, you have market risk as well as credit risk. I put up a... I put up a telecom tower. But customers will come and after customers come, will they pay? And will they come in those many numbers and will they consume as much as I've assumed they will consume? So... Risk is implicit in any business, um, um, but I'm talking of another risk here, and that risk pertains to processes. Okay. Uh, very often, and we are all consumers of some service, right? I am. Um, we go through that process of somebody will say, "Oh, I have applied for this, but they are doing a verification check." Or, uh, "Oh." You've not cleared the bill of last month, so I can't give you this service vote. All of these, so companies design process to minimize risk. And I think that's the, uh, now often I've seen, what should I say? The two approaches and then two ends of the spectrum. One yeah. approach is um, everybody's out there to take advantage. So tighten the process, uh, the checker, Check the checker as well, because he may also make a mistake. And you create a very solid process. But okay. it becomes very clunky and uh, not smooth because there are multiple checks. Right? The other end of the spectrum is everything's good, you don't have a check. So do a very light model. That makes the velocity faster, but right. exposes to risk. Now you have to look at saying, in that spectrum of absolutely no risk, but just so getting the process or the velocity versus I will very wonderful so and that actually determines agility of the organization correct so you want to save the two bad apples from entry do you suffocate the remaining 98 or you create a process by which you let 100 go but have a way of post facto figuring out that this happened and then have low tolerance for such a uh, think that actually determines uh, what organization culture you're building and what organization culture the customers experience. So interesting the way you articulated that. Uh, and I think, you know, speed and agility is so important for businesses to thrive and really do well. And the way customers experience a product, 
goes back a lot to the culture of the company, right? It's not just about the underlying product or service. It's also Absolutely. the culture of the organization, which brings me to my next question, which is, you know, uh, as an organization, you want to foster a culture of innovation, growth, you know, having a growth mindset. How do you do that, you know, in your team and with even perhaps external vendors that you may be working with? No, so I, I think uh, mm, uh, by very definition, uh, innovation is uh, idea. Uh, innovation, when it meets commercial success, then that's a commercial innovation, right? So there will right. be a lot of innovations which may not succeed because of many reasons. They are before time. Uh, they don't have a ready appeal or the customers are not ready. Uh, 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 and a lot of times, the way that innovation is implemented. So, um, uh, to foster innovation, I think the, in general, the rules I have deployed are uh, try fast and fail fast. Okay. And have tolerance for failure. Right. Uh, so, uh, do those experiments, try it out, don't do, we're not, I mean, uh, in telecom services, we're not creating uh, a new uh, model, right? Or a new semiconductor, it's going to change the way the computing happens, right? We're creating processes, systems, and using technologies and wrapping it into a customer offering. Uh, so, what I would say is, uh, if you can, uh, one, create a culture of saying, we will do something, we will continuously do new things. Uh, just because it's not been done doesn't mean we will not try. But right. we fail fast. We'll implement fast, we'll fail fast. And it's okay. Few things won't work, but we will, would be richer by that experience. Uh, so it's allowing the system and the team to say it's okay to fail because we've learned something. I think right. that's what uh, uh, becomes important. And you have to, just like... Um, Innovation is like startups, right? One in 10 startups succeeds. Uh, or you don't know which one is going to succeed. So the P's and the VC's also, not all of the investments uh, uh, bear fruit. Uh, they also realize that maybe out of their 10 investments, they will have a huge windfall gain in one, which will kind of far compensate for the other nine. But it is important for uh, you to invest in the other nine as well. So that's what I would say for a company. Uh, it's It's like, Funding a startup, 10 startups, then 10 startup ideas. Now, some will uh, uh, reach commercial success. Some will make some impact, some may not. But I think, how do we do this? How do we not spend and the entire family jewel running after uh, uh, that innovation, not distract from the core business as well. I mean, you have to run make the ship running while you experiment on the side, test it out. Do a proof of concept. Uh, if it works, great. Right? And sometimes proof of concept also may not work because the right inputs and the right environment was not needed to do that. So right. it is often very, it's often important to understand did it fail because the idea was bad or it was poorly executed. So uh, making that distinction also is uh, very important. That is so insightful, you know, it's not just about the idea, but also the execution of that idea. And, you know, talking about innovation, I was reading a really interesting book, which actually said that if you look at the history of innovation in, in mankind, you can actually put them into three buckets. Uh, one is a product innovation, 
One is a process innovation and the other being a strategy innovation. So you could, you know, even innovate in your business strategy uh, to actually have a breakthrough. And uh, then there was another layer that this uh, author was putting saying incrementally versus radical. So, you know, it's self-explanatory, right? So for radical innovation, you require this uh, prototyping, pilot testing, uh, tolerance for failure kind of mindset, which you are the same data points that you actually talked about, you know. Yeah, and see, I um, I often then uh, um, something that I've learned uh, from our group chairman, um, Mr. Mani, and he constantly forces us to ask. I don't care where we are. Uh, I want to know where, what is the instant that is possible. Okay. Uh, what is the universe? Not where we are. And uh, um, what could that be? And first principle thinking. Um, uh, so that I think uh, is something which uh, and always work backward rather than move forward. Okay. So you first say that is the end goal that I want to achieve and then work backward to saying I'm here now, how do I reach there? Rather than saying, okay, today I'm doing this, tomorrow I will do this uh, and then I'll figure out where I'm going. But figure out where you want to go first. Uh have a lofty uh, uh, aim, a goal, a half lofty target. Also, uh, happen uh, when you say some process takes, and I'm taking a process example, some process takes seven days, and you say, no, 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 we need to make it faster. And this has happened with me 10 years back, uh, 12 years back. A team came back and saying, this particular activity will take seven days. So I told them I wanted uh, to get it done in one hour. Design it afresh. And I said, I, I, think, I think it can be done in, I, I think I said maybe four hours. I said, I, I want it done in four hours. It was a seven-day process. And people went to the room fuming, saying, obviously, he doesn't understand a thing. Uh, all of that uh, behind. They came back with the process one week later for a while, with the one-day process, eight, nine hours process. Okay. And uh, I was very happy with it. Uh the reason is, if you had said, can you make seven to six, uh, they would have tried for six. When I said I want, I gave the ridiculous uh, thing of saying I want it in one hour or whatever for us. They had to, uh, it's like, see, where does this thought emanate? Burj Khalifa or Burj Al Arab, they were constructing one floor every three days. Okay. That's how a hundred, whatever, 20 floor uh, building came up in some 500 days, right? So right. one floor, one three days. In India, you take one month to create one floor. So I said one, one floor per three days possible, right? But how is that possible? If you start bringing brick there and then putting brick and putting cement and concrete and between the brick, it's not going to happen. You have to do prefab. You build the whole thing, just bring it here and assemble it. That's how you can do a floor in three days. So, uh, I often believe that Breakthrough innovation happens when you set uh, yourself a crazy task. Right. Incremental targets give you incremental innovation. Gains. Three targets and impossible targets, never heard of targets, actually give you breakthrough. And you may not reach that impossible one, but you would have moved significantly into the next orbit. That's that's so nice, you know. And I think uh, one one key takeaway is that we should dare to dream big 
really set a, a, a lofty target and really think seriously as to how you're going to get there. So first define your end goal and then break it down into smaller milestones and then to reach those milestones, break down smaller objectives. So that systematic method, I think, will really help people to move the needle, move to another orbit in terms of their operations and their skills. So it's so nice to, to hear you say that. So thank you. I, you know, I, this has been an amazing discussion. I, I think uh, the more I, I talk with you, I realize that uh, there's so much that, that you have experienced and that's what allows you to share and, uh, you know, uh, very clearly outline how things should be done, what you should or should not do. So I really enjoyed this discussion. No, thanks, Amit, but I don't mean uh, it to be prescriptive. Uh, there are more than one ways of doing it. Uh, I'm only no. sharing a few things that I've learned from the best in business. Uh, and uh, I've seen them often succeed than fa fail. So, uh, But I, I would dare not say that that's the only way to uh, do it. Uh, these are some things that I've encountered and I've, uh, these have helped me in my path. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you. Uh, really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks. Thanks so much once again for coming on. Thanks. Show. Thanks and uh, thanks for inviting me and look forward to interacting with you and the young minds of uh, today and tomorrow on a non-virtual platform as well. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zista Podcast. It was loaded with practical insights. Keep getting content like this. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can also catch the audio version of this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple's Podcast, and Spotify. Our handle is the Zista Podcast. Till we meet again, we'd say, stay curious.